What do rock stars, celebrities, and entrepreneurs have in common? They're having great conversations over coffee. This is Meet Me for Coffee. Fantastic. I got Safwan from Widemouth Mason here. How's it going, man? This is awesome. It's going very well, man. It is awesome. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you for taking the time out of your day. I know you're a music lawyer uh, by day and Batman by night with uh, an amazing (laughs) band. Uh, You know, I was listening to... I was gonna. I, I was on Spotify today, and I was reminiscing. You know, I was like, you know, I listen to some Wide Mouth Mason. Then I got kind of like pulled into this like '90s Canadian uh, playlist, and it, it was like, you know, I Mother Earth, and just, just like, wow, um, it's amazing that you have a piece in that little puzzle uh, to be one of the, one of the the most reputable. I think most one of the most famous bands from the 90s man especially for canadian music um i i've got to say this it's all changed for me uh growing up as a child i loved much music and i and i, and I loved uh i think a lot of the bands uh wanted to be on much music and and, and looked at the, the countdown and i know you guys were on the countdown as well at some point in time at uh, the times where uh you know silver chair was number one or, or jimmy ray where are you jimmy ray was a <laughs> i've listened to that song like a hundred times and i always go back and i listen to it like just repetitively you know whatever happened to that guy but uh, i don't know it, it's just like things used to be a lot more simple than they are now. You know, you, you, you have to get your music out there, but much music was such a big, big promotional um, station for a lot of bands having that countdown there be like, you know, tuning in on Fridays for much loud. And then they have that uh, snow job festival up in, up in Northern Ontario, uh, which like had like lots of bands that I mother earth rusty, uh, you know, how does it feel to be part of, you know, Canadian music history, man? It's cool. I mean, you, you know, you're talking about this era and you're naming all these bands and like there's, you know, we can keep going. There's like two dozen or so of them that maybe even more that that was sort of our era. Like we, we were able to tour all the time. There were great festivals. There was the Much Music support channel. Like you mentioned, we did a couple of the snow jobs. Much Music was really good to us. There was, was kind of like an industry infrastructure that was in place during the nineties that was fairly unique in Canada. Like it wasn't, it didn't exist before that. And I would argue that since then it's diminished significantly in terms of having this infrastructure in place that allows artists to develop and to be, um, you know, brought into the public eye in a really unique and powerful way. It doesn't exist anymore. I mean, labels are still around and they still do what they can to try and market and promote acts in Canada. But, it, the industry in a way has shrunk here, right? Like the, indus- the the five major labels are now down to three major labels and the money that's being made from, you know, streaming revenue is way smaller than what it was when in the peak of like the CD boom era, right? So you just had different resources to bear. You had different um, energy being put into it and different, um, you know, human resources at work and at play. And it was, it was we were, I consider our, ourselves pretty fortunate that we came around at that time because it gave us the opportunity to catapult onto this national stage by dint of plugging into that network. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's gone. Like that doesn't exist anymore. There was a, a college tour 
um, sort of, you know, route that everyone did where the COCA schools, all the universities or a bunch of the universities and colleges, campuses across Canada had like a national um, organization. I think COCA still exists, but it was a different structure back then in terms of you had full-time employed program directors at the at the bars and pubs and music venues at all the colleges and universities and if and once you got kind of plugged into that you could essentially tour right across Canada and back again just doing colleges and universities and that was putting you in front of like you know the 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 perfect people to be in front of college kids looking for new music and it was a really you know a, a smart and successful system that had been built over the course of several years. And yeah, it kind of, it's kind of disappeared. You're absolutely right. And and just, just the way we used to live without the streaming thing. I know, I know Napster was around at that time, but um, you'd also have, uh, you look forward to a band coming on Thursdays or Saturdays Mm -hmm. to much music and maybe you'd go out and see them or because they would come outside and play, but they would, mostly perform inside and you'd also have like, you know, much loud on Friday nights at 10 o'clock where you discover some heavier bands. And, um, the, the programming was, it was bar none. Like it was something that it's, it hasn't been done ever in our history in Canada. And I wish it happened again. Uh, and going, going back to that college tour that you're talking about, I think the Arkells got big doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got big doing that. I've seen them twice when I was in college. Uh, Alexis on Fire as well did that as well. What, what, what an amazing way to get exposure and get paid for it, obviously, because the way the music industry now is it, for bands coming up, it's it's pretty much geared towards screwing the musician unless the musician has some brains to actually stand up to, you know, playing for exposure kind of thing, right? It's a, uh, yeah, you get playing for exposure. Most of these promoters, they try and rip you off too, right? Yeah, I mean, like, you know, there are good promoters out there. Don't get me wrong. They're, like I said, those those college, the, the program directors for those college campus venues were awesome to us. There was, you know, when we were, nobody had heard of us, you know, they, they were willing to take chances on us and let us come and play their venues. Like you said, like on a Monday night in Thunder Bay, we'd get booked to play the college. Whereas if that didn't exist, we'd just be having a day off driving, you know, past Lake Superior for 12 hours. So we'll actually show up, which is great. And people show up, right? Because yeah. it's like a thing, right? Like it's, it's a thing. There's a culture built into that. When you have live music as a built in as part of your, part of your campus college life culture, then people show up. It's like they, they works in, in unison, right? There's a symbiotic relationship there. Um, I think, you know, you know, you're back to your point about like much music, you had people there that that was their whole gig. They were young, plugged into music and their, and their whole gig was about figuring out what's happening on, you know, keeping kind of a pulse on the scene of what's happening musically and artistically to some extent and promoting that and providing a venue to amplify that. And, and it wasn't just in Toronto that you had shows out in Vancouver. There's a good friend of mine still, his, his daughter and my daughter are friends. They go to school together, but he had a show on the West coast called much West. And he, he would, you know, consistently do unique stuff out there, including with our band, where he'd give us opportunities that we weren't maybe yet getting in from the Toronto much um, offices yet. And eventually we would, in part because of him. So, yeah, it was, it was a really cool time to be a part of the music biz. And, uh, and I'm pretty thankful we did because it gave us, it probably gave us the footing to have as long of a career as we've had. Like, we were still able to to make music. We're still able to put out albums. We're still able to go out and tour and do shows and do festivals. And in in a large part, I think it's because we were around at the right time. It was a, it was kind of a, it was the perfect time to kind of get in there. 
It's incredible. And we could talk about this for ages, man. You know, how things used to be, how things, you know, worked back in the day. Um, the great bands you toured with during that time. But there is one that stands out for me, uh, ACDC. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that stands out for me too. It was a crazy tour. It was, uh, it was kind of a last second thing. They We shared business managers with them. And they had a tour lined up. It was, uh, it was called the Stiff Upper Lip Tour. And they had, it was supposed to be Slash's band that was opening for them. And then something happened. I don't know what, but something happened where like last second they couldn't do it. Um, and so they were kind of scrambling to find someone. And our business manager was like, look, I got a band for you. Check them out see what you think. And they came back and said, look, bring them down. Let's do three shows. And we're doing the first three shows in Florida. Let's do those three and see how it goes. And if it goes well, then, then we'll talk about more. And it went really well. And we did like, I think we did like 20 some, maybe 25 dates with them across the U S and into Canada. And it was phenomenal. It's like, you know, you're on tour with ACDC. It's they're built, they're a machine built for arena rock and they, and nobody beats them in terms of putting on an arena rock show. It's like you go in every night and people are losing their minds with, with red horns on, you know, flashing the, the rock sign. And it's just like, it's chaos, but it's also, it's also really like a powerful positive energy in there too. I wasn't necessarily a big ACDC guy before that, but seeing them every night do that, I think it was like the third or fourth show in where I'm like, Oh, now I get it. This is meant to be rock music in an arena with 20,000 people losing their minds. And it's the perfect music for that. And Brian Johnson, that guy has an energy unlike anything else. You know, sometimes you understand what he's saying, other times you don't. But um, <laughs> it, it, it's something that he, you just can't uh, replicate. The guy, he, he's old now. Obviously, he was old when you were probably touring them as well. But he, he's got, he's got it. He's and got- you know what's great? And you know what's the greatest thing about all that is that he's like the nicest guy. Like he came up to us, he came to our dressing room. They don't need to do this, right? We're just the opening band. They don't need to ever come say anything to us, but he made special effort to just randomly show up in our dressing room one night just to say hey and welcome us and tell us nice things about our music and, and just be kind and gregarious and like a mellow dude to be around and uh, and that means something to you. Like that guy doesn't have to do that. So uh, yeah, I really, uh, I have a lot of respect for him. I hear they ha- they have a new album coming out and oh, set- man, that's, it's going to be great. Uh, I'm sure yeah. of it. And, and you know what, when, when Brian was taking a bit of a break to, you know, help his ears and Axel replaced them, hmm. man, that people were really questioning that, but it ended up being that Axel fit the role really well like he was very good at that um, it kind of made sense right like the voice is not it's in the right sort of range and right tonal area in a way so yeah i think it, it made sense to me yeah man let's talk about the 20th anniversary of stew you know time flies you know time flies from when it came out probably you know the years have passed by i know when you have a child like the time passes it goes past. faster and faster yeah, yeah. It's like having your own brainchild, you know, a stew. Uh, 20 years ago, you know, you made some stew and, and it'll last 20 years, man. And, and, you know, Wide Mouth Mason, I always want to know why Wide Mouth Mason, but I actually got the answer. You guys got a, got the answer from a, a Wide Mouth Mason jar that you were drinking at a, at a bar, um, which is incredible. Um, but it, it, it's also really cool to see a band stand the test of time that could probably come tour here where I live 
and fill the fill the place up. You know, it might not be like what it used to be, but maybe it would be right. I, I don't I don't know because I have. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I listen, man. I give a lot of credit to and and give a lot of respect and love and adulation to our fan base. We have a we have a very loyal fan base, and they've stuck with us for so. Like you said, we're 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 twenty five years deep now, and you know, the fact that people, we've seen people like go from being, you know, children coming to see uh, their first rock concert to parents bringing their kids or, you know, sometimes we'll have like multi-generational where like someone will bring their, their dad and their kid. And it's like, how cool is that? How cool is it to see, watch people like go through their life's experiences and you get you get to like these these little like snapshots, these little pictures, windows into different moments of their their life experiences um, as a as a as an artist who's making something that they really dig. That's pretty cool, man. It's a really unique way to bond with someone and connect with someone. And and, and of all the things that I appreciate, and there are lots of them um, in terms of of my life as a musician, that's one of the most, most cherished ones is those, those relationships, not only that we have directly with our fans, but the ones that I see amongst our fans with each other as well. Like I've seen, you know, different relationships form from that, whether it's like people got married because they were both Widemouth Mason fans and they met on a forum online or at a show um, or, you know, two people, random people became friends, one from Thunder Bay and one from Winnipeg or one from Victoria and one from Ottawa. And, you know, t- 10 years later, they met up somewhere because they stayed connected because they were Widemouth Mason fans. So that's really cool. I, I love I love that I had access to that and was exposed to that and played some role in it. It's uh, it's pretty heartwarming. And probably people travel quite some ways to see you guys when they have the opportunity. I know, I know what you're talking about because I want to go see uh, the red hot chili peppers and in the hotel that I was staying at, there was a bar across the street. Uh, We were all staying at the hotel, but there's people from like Thunder Bay and, you know, you know, uh, the States and, uh, and, yeah, we're still friends now. Like, yeah. it's so weird, right? We, we we had a few beers, we hung out all night, and we still talk once in a while. Um, it's it's crazy to see how music brings people together. And yeah, when you said that, it reminded me of the Pearl Jam Ten Club because there's a lot of people yeah. who are absolutely obsessed with Pearl Jam, and I had no idea why they were until I started really getting into that band. Um, they're they're very tight knit, and I feel that's how it is with Wide Mouth Mason. It is. We so early on, like very early on, we had a couple of fans who started um, like websites for us. This is like when you know you had a MySpace page, and that was kind of it. But they set up like websites, and they were really hip to it, and they knew what they were doing. And to this day, one is we still call her our chef de mission. She still runs our website. She's an amazing person. Um, but they kind of like set up this this online infrastructure and forum for us to be able to connect with our fans, these little chat rooms. Right. And so we'd have like interactions with our fans where like weekly, we'd have to set a time, set aside a time to go into like an internet cafe to go in or get our manager to like print out the emails or the messages that were sent to the, to the message board. And then we'd sit and like write out our answers, either do it at the cafe or write them out and get our manager to type them and write them out. And that was like our initial sort of foray into, into what is now like 
normal, right? It's, it's everywhere. Everyone does it. It's social media. It was, that was like the, the beginnings of it, the, the initial inklings of it. And yeah, it's, it's been pretty, it's been a pretty interesting life's experience for me to, again, be connected to this group of people, really tight knit. And, and, you know, on the one hand, you could ask like, well, why, why do you, why are you guys so interested or why are you, why are we having, spending time doing this? And I, I think it's, it's something about what you said earlier about the power of music, bringing people together and, and both as a creator of music and as a consumer of music. Um, I think at the end of the day that the art in the center of that is, is greater than the sum of its parts. And it does, it does something that kind of not to sound too cheesy here, but maybe in kind of the, the weird age that we're in, we need to hear something like this, but it, it kind of uplifts humanity, right? It uplifts us as people and, and gives us something to, to share and and bond over and unite over and and yeah it's, it's the it's the glue right it's the thing that brings us back together in the in the in a day and age where lots of things are driving us apart absolutely and and now more than ever people need a, a freaking concert to go to man oh god you're telling me i'm ready uh you know what i hope you guys come by my neck of the woods because i'll be the first one in line Man, I feel like as soon as like the COVID restrictions are down, we're just going to be like, okay, let's just tour nonstop for a year. Cause we're both Sean and I are just like so hungry to get out there. Yeah, absolutely, man. And you know, I, I feel like you have a bit of, yeah, you're a bit anxious to get out there. I, for, if I was a drummer, man, I'd be like trying to play some thrash, thrash just to get it back. <laughs> man. Like, you know what I've been trying to do? I've been practicing playing like up-tempo jazz, which is, it doesn't sound like it, but man, for anyone who's played, it's like up-tempo jazz is, is hard to play. Like you're moving everything very quickly. So that's how I've been, I've been burning that energy up, but it's not the same. It's not the same as playing live. That again, Buddy, that, Buddy that, Rich was one of the best drummers of all time. Uh, he's a monster. Yeah. He's the total yeah. monster. And, and you know what? Like I, I've interviewed a lot of blues musicians and a lot of rock stars and whatever, but I've really been getting into the blues and I've been getting into, uh, you know, some country, but mostly blues and reggae and, and yeah. really starting to appreciate the, the power of the rhythm sex and, and uh, how everything meshes together and uh, by the way your track the game awesome like that that the that the riff with the drum it's <laughs> so powerful thanks uh, man i'm glad you like it yeah it's a cool one i re- remember i think we wrote that at least in part while we were in bc on tour in northern bc i remember sitting on a hill in some park i think it was in prince george and uh and that riff kind of came out of sean's guitar and we we're like oh we got to do something with that and that was kind of the seeds for it and, and you guys have been friends since you guys are 10 right yeah, we went to we went to public school together in the same grade, same class. Then we went to high school together, um, and in both public school and high school, we had really good band programs. So both of us were playing in those band programs, jazz and concert band. And so it was kind of you know, like you said, age ten, maybe even earlier, but for sure from age ten on, it was we'd been playing music together, and it was just a normal thing for us to play together. And and I guess you know, here we are now. It's still the most normal thing for me to do is to play music with Sean. Have you guys ever hit any like bumps in the road along the way with your friendship at all? You know, uh, I, not that I know of, I don't, maybe he thinks so, but I don't think he does. We're pretty tight, man. We're, you know, you sometimes you, you go through bumps in the road in terms of the life of a band and what, what it's like to be constantly touring and kind of your whole identity tied into this, 
this thing that's just out there for people to like either like or not like. And so that can be like emotionally kind of taxing. But if anything, I think that just brought us closer together because we were going through it together and kind of always had each other's back. Safwan, I got this uh, amazing question I ask all the guests on my show. It's about coffee. I love coffee. Do you drink coffee? I do. I love coffee. How do you take your coffee? Black. Oh yeah. That, that, you know what? That's the second interview they did today. And they said the exact same thing. That's what I, how I take it. So it's, it's easy to get you coffee when you come in my neck of the woods. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day. It's Safwan from Widemouth Mason, the iconic man from Canada. And if you're listening from the States or even India, because this show has completely exploded in, in India, um, cool. had Larry Hank and uh, he was on a, uh, uh, Escape from Alcatraz, Breaking Bad, um, you know, uh, Billy Madison had him on the show. He said he got a couple hundred messages from people from India. Um, well, to all the, all the people listening in India, namaste, satsriya kaal, and salam alaikum. Thank you so much, sir. Um, you know what? Let's do this again next time in person, perhaps in Kitchener, Ontario, if you guys ever come yep. to my neck of the woods. We'll be there. You know we'll be there. Awesome. Anything you want to say finally to your fans? Uh, thank you to our fans and thank you to you George because you know what even while there's no much music in that whole infrastructure the new version of that is people like you doing what you're doing right now so thank you thank you I greatly appreciate it right on man great conversations over coffee see I told you did you like that interview well if you did you want to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts I really appreciate the support we'll catch you next time right here on Meet Me for Coffee